Hey, you found us. It's a very special Thanksgiving episode of the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glickson with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, it's rivalry week. It's the Territorial Cup. And we're going to yep. talk about that at the end. Of yes. Um, so if you're listening and that's what you care about and you honestly don't care about anything else we have to say, skip ahead. Probably spend about 15 or so minutes on other stuff and then we'll get yep. into the rivalry game. Could be more than that. You just never know. Yeah. We'll see. Probably will be. Yeah. Um, Yeah. ASU basketball preseason tournament in Las Vegas playing a ranked opponent. Seen this script before ASU over the Mississippi State Bulldogs last night. Yeah. Um, Got out to a 39-24 lead as led by as many as 18 in the first half. Uh, Coughed it all the way up to a tie game at 65-65 before pulling ahead to the final score, 72-67. Yeah, 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 and, and that does not bother me. And maybe I'm, you know, maybe I got my head in the clouds, but um, this is a good team we were playing. I mean, I, I'd feel different if we had that lead against, you know, McNeese State and we gave up the lead. You know, then I'd feel like, oh, boy, that's concerning. But, you know, they were ranked number 15 in the country. They're expected to be a pretty good team, and you you – you expect good teams to have a run. Um, you're, you're very rarely going to dominate a, a good team for 40 minutes. I mean, last year, you mentioned it. Last year, we, you know, we went to Vegas and we won this tournament. Well, we played Xavier. We got off to a, to a miserable start. Xavier got a big lead on us, and, and it looked like, uh, you know, I mean, I remember watching the first half of that game thinking, well, uh, so much for the undefeated, you know. Oh, well, we got humbled a little bit. Well, we ended up coming back and winning. Um, so, you know, it, it – that's going to happen, and I'm just happy that we were able to withstand that and not not lose the game. You know, get challenged and, and make plays at the end to win it. Uh, Bobby Hurley acknowledged in the post game that he does not like playing the two three zone, but felt like we could take advantage of Mississippi State's yeah. suspect three point shooting, and he was right. We wound up holding them to 26.7 percent from the outside. Only thirty six point two percent overall from field yeah, goal range. Yeah, um, I like that. I like that flexibility. I mean, that's uh, not something that he's done a lot here, and I love that ability to say, you know, let's let's match up to our opponent. What our opponent does well, let's take it away. I mean, that's you see it all the time in football. Uh, you know, let's let's try to take away what they do, and what they do is you know get in the paint and. Uh, create shots like that. And he mentioned, like, you know, we wanted to be able to take that away from them and force them to shoot outside and work fairly well. We also tightened up the rotation quite a bit. Rob Edwards uh, missed his third game, hasn't right. played since the opener. But uh, the starters, Cheatham, White, Lawrence, Dort, and Martin. And on the bench, Cherry, Lake, and Mitchell. And that was it. Cherry and Mitchell yeah. combined for 17 minutes total. Cherry had 12, Mitchell 5. Yeah, um, Cherry, you know, freshman game could not get sure. going. Zero sure. for three, zero of two from three. Did have a couple boards and an assist. Mitchell did not attempt a shot in his five minutes. But right. you know, other than White, each starter played at least thirty-four minutes. White played twenty-two. Lake played twenty-two. Yeah, 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 and, and I think that's about what you expect. I mean, I, I think you'll see Edwards be in that rotation when he comes back. 
but really of those guys, you know, you, you mentioned, yeah, it's a shorter rotation. Is there anybody that you would have expected to be in the rotation? Because uh, not necessarily for me. I mean, I oh, guess no, maybe it's just, you, it, it tells you that Valtanen and Scheibel yeah. are, they're, they're going to play in games when we have a big lead. Or right. down I, I was going to say, you know, maybe it would have guessed that Belton can have a role, and maybe he still will. He's a freshman. Um, you know, if we he can need shooting. shoot from the outside, that's the story. Right. That's and that's that may be the role for him. Um, and yet, last night, you know, looked at it. We were, we were, you know, seven of seventeen from three. That's not bad. Um, you know, we're not going to take as many threes. They took thirty. We took seventeen. And that's how this team's going to play this year. You know, as the season wears along, maybe you need him and, and he plays a role as a bench shooter. Um, I think both of us were prepared that Scheibel would, would be the guy of last year's rotation to see the least amount of time and probably the most likely candidate to, you know, not finish the season with the team or if he does, leave after the season. Um, and so that doesn't surprise me. I mean, this is this plus Rob Edwards, I think, is what I would have expected from this team. Honestly, the the most surprising part of all of this to me, and maybe it's just because of his working through his back injury, is Mitchell only playing five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hasn't had much of a role yet this year, and he did miss a lot of the preseason, pretty much all of it. Um, and so you wonder if it's you know, is he going to find a rhythm or not? Is, you know, well, I mean? and it it makes you think: is is he going to get the same? As Kimani Lawrence last year, yeah, where you just – w- when are we going to put it together? Are we going to put it together? Is it not going to happen? Yeah, yeah. I mean, now, the difference with him is he's a, he's a more veteran guy. He's kind of a little bit, you know, should be more comfortable in his own skin as far as his role. Uh, Lawrence was a true freshman. But, yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I mean, when you miss the entire preseason – now, Lawrence didn't. You know, Lawrence was there the preseason and then – got hurt right before the season, missed the first, you know, what, 12, 13 games, something like that. Um, and it's hard, uh, you know, it's hard to step right back in and and find your rhythm. And so we'll see, you know, I, I expect more from him as the year goes along. Um, but, you know, if guys continue to play well in front of him, and they are, those chances might not be there. Um, I mean, if Kamani Lawrence continues to play well and, and Cheatham continues to play well, and then you get Edwards back and, you know, you play some maybe three guard lineups. I mean, there just might not be that many reps for him to go around. A couple of things on this point. One, he did work himself back into the system last year when he had to miss the start of the year due True. to the transfer rule. Now, granted, he had gotten to practice with everyone. Right, um, right. But, it, but it's not something he's never gone through. True, um, True. yeah. The, the second point I would make is if he can get back, much like I'm not expecting Edwards. Edwards might replace Martin in the starting lineup, maybe, but Martin's still going to play 30 minutes a game. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah think I think when so. you when you put together Edwards minutes, you're thinking he's going to steal three to five minutes from Dort, three to five minutes from Martin, three to five minutes from Lawrence. Yeah, but I, and that's okay. You know, I mean, I, I, I like you know. You look at what they had last night. I mean, like you mentioned, four of the five starters played thirty-four plus minutes. You know, that's that's not a a recipe for great success over the course of the year. You know, you want to be able to spread out those those times a little bit more and not have such a load on your starting lineup. And and so yeah, I'm I'm okay with that if he does. You know, if you if you put him somewhere around the 
20 to 25 minute mark and that that reduces you know Dort to playing 25 to 30 and Martin to playing 25 to 30 and you know that's that's ideal as far as I'm concerned and, and I think what Bobby Hurley has shown is a willingness to ride the hot hand whoever it is I, I think back yeah. to the Kansas game last year where right. Martin was scoring and it was his best scoring game and it wasn't particularly close the rest of the year right. as far as being his best scoring game but he left Martin out there as a true freshman on the right. road in Kansas. He, you know, yeah, and he played great. Yeah, yeah. And, no, I agree. I think I think you'll see that for sure again this year. I think also that you know, with Mitchell and Cherry, I wouldn't be surprised if those start to balance out at eight minutes each, and if one guy's playing great, the other guy doesn't play at all. Yeah, yeah, you could see that. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it'll be interesting. Obviously, we're still early in this and. And, you know, kind of figuring things out. But, yeah, a game like last night when it's a good opponent and, and you know, you're, you got the lead and then you got to hang on. I mean, you, you start to see who the, who the coaching staff favors to be on the court in big moments. Um, you know, and, and not any of it really surprises me too much yet. Um, and, and if it continues with this type of rotation, I wouldn't be shocked. Let's talk about the coming out party Kimani Lawrence had. Uh, 9 of 14 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, which ties the total amount of three-pointers he made last season. <laughs> All last season, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he also grabbed five boards, had a steal. Um, ASU, it also should be mentioned, protected the ball pretty well, only 12 turnovers all game. Yeah. Um, but Lawrence, what an effort. Just yeah, You, you yeah, see what all the know. hype was about last year. You do, and and I read uh, somebody this morning. It might have been Haller's story. You know, I was reading something, and, and they, you know, he kind of talked about this. You know, this a lot of the focus was, you know, okay, you got, you know, these these new guys, and you got the returners, like you know, returning starters or or big contributors like Martin and White, and the new freshman Cherry, and and you know, uh, Dort, and you know, it was all about that, and you kind of forgot about Lawrence. And, I mean, we, we probably fell into that, too, as we looked ahead to the season. You know, we talk about this guy, that guy. Like, oh, yeah, well, hopefully Kamani Lawrence will be what we hoped. And, I mean, it's only four games, but you have to really love it so far because um, he certainly looks much more comfortable, looks like the player he was supposed to be last year. Again, you know, you just chalk it up to a lost season because of that injury and getting back into the flow you know, after the team had already really established an identity. I think that was the toughest thing for him. We got off to that great start. We had a rotation and it's like, Oh, we got to mix this guy back in. And it just didn't, it didn't go well. Um, and yeah, this, this year he's a big part of it. And it's going to continue to be, I think, you know, he, he, last night he was our best player and there might be a lot of nights where that's the case. Mississippi state, you know, came into the game number 15 in the country. They're a good team. Sure. And we again managed to out-rebound our opponent, this time yeah. 40 to 34. Um, we did allow 14 offensive rebounds, but got 12 of our own. Right, you right, know, yeah. It, I read, you know, and I don't know how this is determined, but we're we're somewhere in the top 20 in the nation in offense, offensive rebound percentage or something like that. Um, uh, you know, which the three years under Hurley, we've never been inside the top 100. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you could see this is a different type of team. Yeah, I mean, and it's not like Mississippi State's lacking for size. No. A, a doe, a do, Abdul, I, I think it was a do. 
I think uh, it was, yeah. He, yeah. You know, he's 6'11". Eric yeah. Holman, who had a monster game for them, the senior from Kentucky, he's 6'10". Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that was they were good. Yeah, I agree, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a solid win. I mean, again, yeah, you know, I guess you would have loved it if you, you know, take that 15-point halftime lead and you just expand it in the second half. But realistically that's not going to happen very often against a team that's pretty good. And um, I'm glad we, we were able to, to, you know, survive it and get the win. And one of the things that, you know, I was thinking about this morning um, was it's, it's nice to be in a position where we beat, you know, a top 15 team, top 25, let's say, maybe they're not really top 15, but they, that's where they were ranked. Um, and it's not a surprise. Like it didn't, I mean, I don't know about you, but it didn't, I didn't, you know, see the result and think, wow, I can't believe we beat them. I thought, great, we beat them. You know, I mean, I'm happy, but I wasn't, you know, over the moon about it because I'm not surprised. I think we could be this kind of team. Yeah, I guess my takeaway as I was watching was, wow, that we are a solid team. And, and yeah. look, look at us going, taking this show on the road at right. least to a neutral site. and. You know, generally looking the same. The fact yeah. that for a non-conference neutral site preseason tournament game, sure. we're you know we're making a decision that we're going to play zone, that we're going to do these things. I mean, Hurley's in midseason form, and oh yeah, it's great as a fan to yeah, to, to have a team where it's like you know if you had shown me the Mississippi State roster. Before the game, which I didn't realize Jethro was on their roster, but no, I didn't know that either. He wow, hasn't, he has not played. No, um, gosh, but, I did not know he ended up there, man. But you look at a bunch of guys who are six ten, six eleven. The Weatherspoons, who are you right. know, solid guards, and, and you think, oh man, this this is a tough matchup. And, and an old ASU team, you would have been really concerned. It would have been. And, yeah. and, and now you watch and you're like, oh, no, we can we can hang with them. Right, we, right, this is, yeah. This is not out of the realm of possibility. This is – No, uh, know, I agree. And, yeah, and, I mean, and, I and was, to your point, it, it's not a stunner, you know? No, it's not. Yeah, I mean, I was following it, you know, last night I was watching that Chiefs-Rams game and, you know, I was texting you during that. It was, you know, incredibly entertaining. But I was following the basketball game at the same time and – you know, we were stretching the lead, and I and and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't watching that thinking, oh boy, I hope this, you know, I, I hope this run of luck continues, or we're playing out of our minds. I, I thought, you know, okay, this is kind of what I expect. Um, not to say I expected every single game. We're not going, you know, thirty and zero, or or very likely even twelve and zero through the non conference uh, like we did last year. But you know, I'm I'm happy with that, and and. That's yeah. I mean, it's the type of team I expect us to be. That I said, you know, when we did the preseason preview, basically that I thought we could be a top twenty-five caliber team. Well, that kind of team can beat Mississippi State on a neutral court, and we did. We advanced to play Utah State. Who? Yeah. I I don't know. Beat up St. Mary's. Yeah. I mean, they're five and zero. Oh. They're not. Yeah. <laughs> haven't really played anybody besides St. Mary's. I mean, looking at. Who they've beaten before, Montana State, Hartford, Mississippi Valley State, Utah Valley, um, and St. Mary's, maybe they're not as good as they've been. I don't I don't know. I mean, it's always so hard early in the season. Although uh, they, you know, I mean, to, they've, 
pounded the Gales. They won 80 to they 63. Did. They did. Yeah. I mean, I was surprised uh, to see that final score. I didn't watch any of it. So I can't, you know, I can't really say like how the game played out. Um, but yeah, they, they were certainly pretty good. And I think are expected to be a pretty good team. Um, you know, I, I think they're a program that, you know, is what they're in the Mountain West, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I think a team that's expected to be one of the better teams in the Mountain West, obviously Nevada is, you know, thought to be the, the class of the conference by miles. But, you know, they should be pretty good. And, um, you know, hey, it, it'll be another good test. And uh, unexpected, I would have I would have guessed, you know, going in that, if we had beaten Miss State, we'd be playing St. Mary's. But, uh, you know, the Utah State obviously played extremely well, and so it'll be a tough test as, as well. They've got uh, guys on, on both uh, outside and inside who've done damage this year. Uh, obviously, you know, the, the big star yesterday for them, their stars, plural, where their freshman center, uh, and I'm going to butcher his name because he's from Portugal, Queta, Keita, Nimeas, Keita, I think is how you uh-huh. say it. But, you know, he scored 24 uh, right. with nine rebounds. And then their their guard, much easier name to pronounce, Sam Merrill, the junior <laughs> guard. Yes. Uh, he had 23 points and he had eight assists. So yeah. th- they've got guys who can play. And it'll be, I think, a fun game. Sure, sure. I think so, too. Yeah, I mean, it'll be a good good test. Another good, you know, good opponent. Neutral floor, obviously, same same spot there. And, you know, hopefully we can we can win this little event. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's basically a four-team tournament. Certainly not anything to, you know, have a parade over like we did last year, you know, when we won there. It was great, you know, but it's a four-team tournament. But, you know, you, you take the little steps that you can at this point of the year. You can't. You know, you can't win the conference in November. You can't get to the Final Four in November. So, you know, you take the little achievements that you can and just hopefully keep piling them up. Let's pivot to college football now. Um, the college football playoff rankings have come out. Yep. The University of Central Florida, who is undefeated, has cracked the top ten, which I guess yeah. I'm supposed to be excited about. Well, uh, it's the first time that uh, any – Group of five team. Um, I won't say non power five because Notre Dame, I guess, is you know not in a power five, but essentially they are. Uh, has made it this high. I mean, they were already the highest when they got to eleven. Now they're nine. Um, you know, so it's progress, but it's probably not enough progress to actually have a chance to make the playoff. So let's start here. Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, all undefeated. Yeah. Then you've got. Michigan, Georgia, Oklahoma, all with one loss. Nine and two, LSU is number seven. Washington yeah. State at ten and one is number eight. Yeah, and and and, and I'll say it: um, Washington State should be higher. I said it, you know, when we talked on Sunday, and I'm not surprised it didn't happen. And 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 maybe it won't matter again. Like I said Sunday, if we don't have some upsets in front of them, it will not matter. But they should be ranked ahead of LSU and they should be ranked ahead of Oklahoma. And they're, they're not simply because Washington state compared to Oklahoma and LSU name brand recognition. Uh, you cannot convince me otherwise. Well, I'm sure most people were asleep for the first half where they right. put up half a century mark on the well, Wildcats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they play. And then part of that, part of that can't be helped. Obviously you're playing on the West coast. Part of that is, you know, how many of their games have been on Pac 12 network this year? Probably 
you know, three or four. And, and people don't see that. It's, it's not widely dispersed. Um, and they, they, you know, to be fair, also, they didn't come into the year with any hype. I mean, you and I, when we talked Pac-12 ahead of the season, we both, I think, projected, you know, they'd miss a bowl game, had them fifth or sixth in that division. Um, and so they've come out of nowhere with a quarterback that no one had ever heard of. Um, you know, most people couldn't name another player on the roster besides him even now. Um, and they play in a, you know, off the beaten path town. Uh, and that's putting it gently. Um, their coach is really the star. Their coach is the star. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and his teams have been known over the years for, you know, being really good, but coming up short when it Cooing matters. It. But, he cooed you know, it before he was yeah, a cougar. He did. he did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every year at Texas tech, you know, I remember what, it was at 08 when they had that really good team with Crabtree, they beat Texas. And then the next week they went to Oklahoma and just got blown out. And it just seemed like that was always the story. And it's kind of been the story there. And, you know, uh, Chris Peterson has owned him and we'll see if, if he can break that curse, you know, this, this Friday, obviously, but they should be ranked higher. I just think it's, I know, you know, I know we're going to talk UCF, uh, and all that, but I just, yeah, it does. It amazes me that they're behind LSU because let me tell you right now, if you put those two teams on a neutral field, I'd bet Washington state nine times out of 10, they're a better team. Well, and they would their defense, which has its own set of problems, could stop LSU. That's, yes, I have no doubt about that. And yeah. and I and I just no matter how I understand the SEC defenses are different than everybody else. Yeah. I don't think you can hold them down. No, I, you can't. No, no, I agree. I mean, give give them a chance again. Neutral field, not not playing it at LSU. That's a different story. Not playing it in Pullman. Just, you know, put those two teams, uh, you know, in, in at Dallas the, at yeah. the Cotton Bowl or something like that. And I'd take Washington State. And I'd take Washington State to beat Oklahoma. Their defense isn't great, but it's better than Oklahoma's. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma's defense is horrendous. 40 well, points to Kansas? Well, and here's the Good thing God. about Washington State. They're going to score. And if your right. defense is Oklahoma level, yeah. they're going to treat gonna you like Arizona. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, I just... I think it's no more than, you know, name brand and preseason expectations and, you know, uh, uh, these people in the room and they're humans. I get it. And and if you follow college football, you're more likely to believe that Oklahoma is better than Washington State. It's just, you know, it's ingrained in you. Uh, it's Oklahoma. Oh, my God. You know, they've been to the playoff and, and they, uh, they won the Heisman last year and they got the hot young coach and they're a great program. And then you go, oh, Washington State. But I think Washington State's better than them. Now, the next couple weeks may may prove me wrong. It may it ultimately may not matter. Um, you know, well, Friday night's a big night for both teams. They got, uh, you know, last regular season game. Both need to win to get to their conference title game. Um, so we'll see. You know, maybe maybe Oklahoma will win and Washington State loses, and then I'll have to shut up on this argument, I guess. Well, Washington State. It's going to be in prime time on Friday. People are going to yeah. get to see them. Yeah, um, they should. They should, yeah. It's on I mean, Fox. Whole, you know, Fox broadcast. And, you know, the problem in some ways is they're opposite Oklahoma and West Virginia. So there'll be some eyeballs on that game, too. Um, same, I think, half hour difference in start time. So pretty much they'll they'll run right up against each other. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting. And then, obviously, you know, if they both win or, or, you know, Oklahoma doesn't have to win, I guess they could potentially back in, but they, they, 
should both, uh, if they win, take care of business, they will be in their conference title games the next weekend with another chance to make an impression. Let's talk about Central Florida. Yeah. They have not lost a game in two years. Two seasons, yeah. They are now 10-0. The The Knights have beaten everyone in front of them. They, yep. they beat up UConn. They beat up yeah. South Carolina State. They beat up Florida Atlantic. They beat up Pitt. They beat up SMU. They played a tight game with Memphis. They beat up East Carolina. They, right. you know, they put up 52 on Temple. They, Which is a pretty good team. Yeah, they beat Navy. They pounded a ranked Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bearcats team. A, a pretty good team. A team that was nine and one coming in. Yeah, um, and you know, you mentioned Pitt. Pitt's the ACC Coastal champion. Um, and, and they beat and them forty-five fourteen. They beat them up, yeah. And and you know now Pitt's a different team than they were then. Certainly, you know they've they've figured out an identity and they've got something going. But nonetheless, they crushed them. And now this is a team that's you know only lost one game in the last you know six to eight weeks, I think, and that was a close game at Notre Dame. Um, and so you know beating up Pitt should should matter. Um, I mean, I, I think, unfortunately, what we're learning here is the door is closed to these teams. I mean, it's just, it's closed. Um, it doesn't matter if you win every game on your schedule. didn't matter for them last year. doesn't matter this year. Um, with the four-team playoff, it's going to be next to impossible for an outsider to get in. Well, and, and I'll take it a step further. The incentive structure that we've created with this means no one will play UCF or Boise State or Fresno State or whoever you want to go back to historically. Right, right. You know, why, if I'm Georgia, would I even host the UCF Knights? Right, Because what what good does it do me? If if I beat them, if I beat them, everyone says, well, you should, you're Georgia. And if I lose to them, well... That's a huge embarrassing loss for me. Right. And right. it'll piss off the SEC because now right. all of a sudden they have a legitimate claim. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. they did last I year. Mean, <laughs> well, and the other the other point that I think people forget and you know, you and I are aware of because one, we follow college football close and two, we've we've made it an effort now these last few years to try to travel the games is you know, your non conference opponents and, and dates are booked years in advance. And so this idea that, well, UCF went undefeated last year. They should have gone out and tried to play somebody this year. That was probably already set. I mean, they, they couldn't have played ASU. Up. ASU's right. been booked. For, right. ASU, exactly. I believe, has their non-conference booked through 2022. Yeah, every game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and so they couldn't just call up Alabama and say, you know what, want to play? Because Alabama had their schedule booked. And Georgia had their schedule booked. And Michigan and... Clemson and you know I mean it, it's it's uh, it's one of those things that people say but they don't really think about the reality behind it you know and I heard I mean of course game day was at UCF this week and there's some there's some tension between ESPN and UCF um, because of you know UCF feels like ESPN is you know out to get them and ignoring them and uh, and you know they hate Herb Street they absolutely despise Herb Street and you could see the you know the the villain you know character they've created him to be. But Herb Street's on there talking about, well, you know, you got to go play somebody. Well, that's easier said than done. I mean, what are they supposed to do? Just show up on Alabama's campus and say, all right, we're ready. Uh, Alabama, go play them. 
I mean, they've got their games booked. I'm not saying Alabama's running scared. I'm simply saying it's not happening. Yeah. Well, and and why would they? You know, right. For the team, like, UCF's number nine in the country. Right. Th- them going and pounding Vanderbilt doesn't do anything. Doesn't. Doesn't you know? Not at all. So they no. have to – they're number nine. You're telling them they have to play somebody. Okay. Well, exactly. you're, you're telling them they have to play somebody good. Somebody and, in the and, top eight, and, and, basically. And why would somebody in the top eight want to risk losing right. to this very, very good American Athletic Conference? Exactly, team? exactly. Yeah, because here's what's going to happen. When they play them, and then they, if they get beat, then it's going to be, well, they weren't that good in the first place. And, you know, so you get I mean, no that's, credit. That's, right. That's what it turns out to be. You know, okay, UCF goes and they schedule, you know, let's say they could schedule uh, Florida. Just, you know, spitballing here. And if they went and beat Florida, then it'd be, well, Florida's really not as good as they've been. And, you know, it's not a vintage Florida program. Uh, you know, uh, they, they got the first year coach and they're building something. But it's, you know, I mean, you, you can already hear the, the arguments. They, well, uh, yeah, who cares? I mean, that's Pitt. You know, that, yeah, Pitt's not a great team. Don't get me wrong. But they won the ACC Coastal. Um, they almost beat Notre Dame, who's number three in the country and deserve it of that ranking at this point. Uh, and, and yet it's like, ah, oh, who cares? They beat Pitt. Well, what more can you do? You can only beat the teams in front of you. And I mean, I guess, I guess the point here, there's two points. Do I think that they are one of the four best teams in the country? I don't. I don't know what you think. Um, I mean, if you, if you hook me up to a lie detector, I don't think they are. But do I think they should have a chance to prove that they belong or, or that they should be able to play for a title? Yes. And the way to do that is to expand the playoff. Matt, you didn't think we needed to expand the playoff. <laughs> I, and I and in some ways I don't think we do, but here's my here's my problem as I think about it. You got 65 teams if you count the four the five power conferences plus Notre Dame, you got 65 teams. There's 129, I believe in Division 1A or FBS. So, that's half the half the nation is basically told before the season starts you can't win the title. Doesn't matter how many games you win. Doesn't matter if you win your conference. Doesn't matter if you go undefeated. You are not part of this. And that just seems patently wrong to me. So here's what I want. If they win this week, and if they beat Houston, mm-hmm. I want them in. Because there won't be four other undefeateds. And, no, there won't. And they won't but, have lost in two years. No, but you know they're not getting in. I mean, like, do you really think they got a shot? Do I, I, I think they do. No, I, I don't. But I, I don't. But I think that's the problem is yeah, the structure of the – here's the problem for me. The structure of this is pretty straightforward, okay? Yeah. We, we have a thing to try to figure out who the best teams are. And UCF right. – for whatever reason, got to start the year at number 21. So they at least have that going for them. But they didn't lose last year. And not only did they not lose last year, they beat up Auburn. Like right. they, they, right. they beat teams that beat, you know, they beat the teams that beat the, the teams. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So then they lose their coach, they lose a bunch of players, and everyone's right. like, well, that was an aberration, C- congrats, pat on the back, nice job, yeah. call yourselves national champs, that's funny, go home. 
And, and by yeah. the way, I'm thrilled they call themselves national champs, and I think they should do it again this year if they don't get the chance to play funny. in the playoffs. I mean, I, I, I enjoy the fly in the ointment uh, approach of it. Yes, I agree. But best case scenario right now, there will be Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame all unbeaten. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know what? UCF's unbeaten. And no, they're unbeaten for two years. And, and I, I will have a very hard time if you tell me, well, we're keeping Michigan, we're keeping Georgia, mm-hmm. we're keeping it. Right. You know, so, I mean, the fact that LSU with two losses is in front yeah. of Washington State yeah. and UCF. I agree. The, like, the I, I understand. To me, is ridiculous. I understand yeah. that these don't matter. And I understand that they're talking points. That's insane. Just put. That's not how it works. And, and you know what? You know what will really piss me off? Because here's what I think will happen. Yeah. Oklahoma is going to drop a game between here and the end of the year. Washington State might lose the Apple Cup, might lose yeah, the could. conference title game. Uh, LSU will have two losses. And Alabama will beat Georgia. So they'll all, everyone else will have two losses or more. Yeah. And Michigan will have one. And they'll yeah. move UCF up to five. <laughs> and and they'll just it'll just and be they'll say, well they had a shot yeah that I mean I I texted you on on Saturday about the Herb Street Houston thing from 2016 which let me say was just false false information um, but you know he well, says well they 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 got to number six one no they didn't but number six isn't good enough I mean you know if you say oh they got to number six what's well, a 14 playoff who cares if you're number six. Yeah, it's more a slap in the face because then you're saying you're close and we're still not going to give you right. a chance. Right. And in reality, they were number six in the AP poll at the start of October. So the AP poll, as we know, means nothing. I mean, they're just they're just for entertainment purposes only now. Um, and no, they didn't get to number six. No, they didn't deserve to. I mean, they had lost a couple games. You know, Herb Street's memory and Reese Davis joined him, uh, you know, was incorrect. Oh, they, they beat Louisville and they got to number six. Well, they beat Louisville in the second to last week of the season. They already had two losses. Um, it was a big game because Louisville was still in the mix. Louisville actually was, I believe, number five or six in the country at that point with Lamar Jackson, and they lost. Houston was already out of any realistic chance to make even the, you know, even the New Year's Six bid. Um, so it's you know fuzzy math that they're remembering, basically. Um, and, and so, you know, again, the whole argument that they made, well, they— they had a shot, and if they kept winning, I don't agree. And no, I mean, if Houston had gone undefeated that year, I don't believe they would have gone to the, gone to the playoff. Well, they might have been as high as number six, but they wouldn't have been in the top four. Well, and this goes exactly to the point we were making before, which is UCF last year proved you can't get in. They went right. undefeated. They, right. did, they did everything they were supposed to do, yeah. and they got told, uh, And now they're on the verge of doing it again, you know, two, two games away against a— a uh, mediocre USF team, and then either Houston or Memphis, neither team, you know, particularly good, uh, or at least doesn't appear to be at their level. Um, and and so, yeah, I mean, it's it's looking likely. I didn't think UCF was going to go undefeated again this year. We talked a few weeks ago, and I don't know if we talked on record or off, but I said I didn't I didn't think they would get through the season unbeaten. But they've passed every test so far. USF doesn't appear to be as big a test as it seemed like a few weeks ago. Um, and now I'd be surprised if they don't finish unbeaten, you know, given what's in front of them and the way they've played. But it doesn't matter. And and so the only the only answer to me, if you really want to be fair to schools like that, is to expand the playoff because they will never make it into the top four. 
not it just will not happen i mean let let's i know that these are for entertainment purposes only as you said yeah ucf last year after beating auburn and completing an undefeated season yeah in the ap poll was sixth and in the coaches poll was seventh yeah behind multiple two loss teams yeah like yeah yeah you know i i don't know what to say they it's not i mean i don't know what more you can say they, they don't they're not gonna get in and and it's yeah. garbage and and i'll tell you i'm i'm not kidding this year if they win and they win the games i know you were joking and you know what are they supposed to do show up at alabama right in the in, in the tv show blue mountain state which is a comedy <laughs> show about yeah. college football that has been off the air for years now years yeah. they go and play a game in a field because a yeah. bunch of their players were suspended for the title game. Yeah. Well, yeah. UCF should do that. And, and I know <laughs> I, I know that teams will lose eligibility or, or something. Right. But here's the thing. If you are Nike or, or more likely Under Armour, if you're, yeah. if you're a, a, a place that likes to be a little bit different and challenging, yeah. Yeah. don't you put up – you know, ten million dollars to the winning school that because uh, you know ten million dollars they'll play UCF yeah. will play for free. You could just oh, say sure. to Alabama, play them. We'll give you ten million dollars to play them. Sure, sure. Now, I mean, of yeah, course, you know, if you're an Alabama defensive lineman and this right. game means nothing except ten million dollars to the school. Play it. Right. Uh, although on the flip side, to to counter my counter, you could pay those guys now because they're could. done. Just pay them. You could. Just say you we'll could. pay. You know, we'll pay you. We'll pay all of your guys to come back, and do you know? But it's it's look the NCAA. I, I'm not saying that what the Rock did in Ballers this season is right, <laughs> but the NCAA has a lot of problems, and UCF is absolutely right that they are, you know, being mistreated. Under the current oh, I agree. System. I agree. I mean, and and again, it's it's not even just them. It, it, to me, they represent half of. I mean, really, it is almost exactly half of the FBS that is basically told before they play one game, before they have one practice, that you cannot win the title. And you know, okay, you, you let's compare it to basketball. Realistically, does a team from the MEAC have a chance to win the national championship? Absolutely not. But they. They have a they have a chance because if they win their conference tournament, they get in the NCAA tournament, and they just like all the other teams in are six wins away or seven if they're in the playing game from winning the national championship. So everybody at the start of the year can dream that they're going to be the team to cut down the nets and win the title. Now you know three hundred out of the out of the three thirty probably don't really have a chance, but. They have they have a chance, you know. They they don't have a realistic chance, but they have a chance. In football, what we're saying is you don't have a chance. If you're Buffalo and you're having a great year in the MAC, congratulations, you won the MAC, but we don't care. If you're Fresno State or you know San Diego State or Boise, you're having a great year, you might win the Mountain West, but we don't care. You know, we just don't care because you can't lose a game. But Clemson can. Clemson can lose at home to Pitt two years ago and still get in the playoff. Alabama can lose their last game last year and still get in the playoff. But God forbid, I mean, if UCF lost a game, we just wiped them off the face of the earth. They wouldn't even exist in the conscious anymore. Yeah. Look, 
if I'm UCF, I would throw an absolute fit and I would try to, you know, this is the sort of thing that you and I have talked about. Football needs to be treated separately. If we can't, you know, I understand with travel or whatever for the small sports and for men's basketball, you know, that's fine. Football's different. And if it is different, then let's not pretend it's the same. Let's let's have the exactly. let's have the Power Five have their title. Let's yeah. have the next tier have their title, and then right. let's go to to one double A, right? And Division right. Two uh, and Division Three. Like, I mean, if if you're going to keep it at four teams, I feel like that's essentially well, that's essentially what you're already doing. But, but then UCF can't play for a title. Like, right? Give, it, it needs to you just know. happen. Just have them, you know, have the Mountain West and the MAC and the Sun Belt and the AAC and the Conference USA. Just have them have their own championship tournament and and they can be the group of five national champion and you you know you might hear that and think well that sounds ridiculous well football's full of ridiculous i mean we've, we've been doing it you know i mean how many years going back we don't even have to go back that far in our own lifetime have we had multiple national champions like legitimately crowned co-national champions it goes absolutely against the grain of common sense to think you could have multiple champions you're only supposed to have one kind of saving Silverman-esque. One and only should mean one. And, and only. only. But in college football, it doesn't. You have, you know, LSU and USC are 2003 co-national champions. It's absurd. Now, you know, 97 was Michigan and Nebraska. Um, so just in our own lifetimes, you know, and, and you go back further, you've got teams that were crowned national champions that lost their bowl game. But, you know, the vote was done before bowl game, so they won the national title. I mean, it's ridiculous. So... Why not just add to the ridiculousness? Who's who's to stop us? Well, and it's money. You you can play for another title. You can sell to exactly. you know exactly. whatever yeah. uh, a, Amazon or Facebook, yeah. whoever's buying all the Fox Sports channels. Just ha- have yeah. a little have a little four team tournament. Play the first round at home sites, so you you know so you get good crowds. I mean, there's they play the the one double A title game every year in Frisco. And it gets, you know, it's a small stadium, but they, they fill it and, you know, the fans travel well and it's a cool, you know, so do the same thing. Find a, find a, you know, a neat little venue, not the Rose Bowl or something like that, you will you know, but find a venue that holds maybe 30,000. Ryan Field, for example, I mean, you wouldn't do it because of the weather, of weather but a stadium but, like that, you know, a stadium of that size that you could, you know, you put, you know, the, the AAC champ against the Mountain West champ or something, you know, again, I have a tournament or something. And, and find a way to give them something. Or, and this is what I would like, you know, the more I think about it, and again, you're right, I have said I didn't think we needed to expand it, and in some ways I don't. But if you want to expand it, then open it up to everybody. Automatic bids to every conference. If you, know, if you went to 16, like Mike Leach has advocated, go to 16, then all 10 conferences get an auto bid. And, and then you have six at largest. I would be happier with that than seeing, for example you know, Florida and Penn State and, you know, teams that are fourth in their conference get in by being ranked 15th in the nation. I don't, I don't want that. No. And I think if you go to the auto bids, uh, here's the other thing about it. I, I don't hate this part of it because I've heard it advocated in the NBA and other places. You, you know, like you said, you play the first round at home. You, you, you tear off and rank those teams and you say, okay, Alabama, number one overall seed. Here are the 15 teams below you. Who do you want to play? 
you, well, could, you could do that. Yeah, I mean, you could do that, or or you just, I mean, you do it like the basketball tournament. You seed them, and you say, okay, Alabama, you're number one. You get the Sun Belt champ. So you know, pretty good chance by getting that number one seed, you're getting an easy game. Because if Alabama's playing Appalachian State, they're probably going to roll over them, and they should. You get that right as the number one seed, and you get home field and. You know, this is, again, sort of like we talk about with, you know, how you how you would, you know, restructure the NBA draft or something. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This system is used in – it's used in the NFL and it's used in FCS. So one level above and one level below. You have a tournament. The better teams get home field. And then you play the championship game at a neutral site. We're not, we're not creating some crazy concept here. You just do a 16-team tournament. Play the first three rounds at home sites of the higher higher seed, and you find a neutral site to play the championship game. Pretty simple. Yeah, or do it with two the first two rounds, and then two yeah. rounds of neutral sites. Maybe neutral, yeah. You know, but here's one big reason that ain't going to happen: the bowl games aren't going away, and and there's too many there's too many rich people. I mean, like like Detective James Carter said in Rush Hour Two: follow the rich white man. There are too many rich white men who depend on the bowl games, and they are not going away. And so with that, nobody wants to have home field playoff games because that marginalizes the bowl games. And there's just too many people invested in those to have that happen. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what to say other than it, it's absolute flaming hot garbage if UCF <laughs> wins the next two games and they're not in. They, and, and I don't think they will be. They will. And, and they yeah. will have been. They will have advanced to twenty six consecutive wins over two seasons without yeah. the chance to play for a title. Yeah, That's, I, I agree. Mean, I mean, now again, I will tell you, and maybe you disagree. I mean, you can. That's the beauty of this. Do I really think UCF's better than Michigan or Georgia? I don't. And and so that's why I say you got to expand the playoff because. I can't really sit here and advocate and say UCF should be in a fourteen playoff. Oh no, I, I can. They, they are better. I, I will say that because they haven't lost and they've beaten everyone who's been put in front of them. And it's unfair that Georgia and Michigan and Oklahoma and LSU and Washington State have to play a harder schedule. But there are only four undefeated yeah. teams, and UCF hasn't lost in two years. Uh, and, and I get you. I do. And, but, and look, I, I, do I think it's fair? You know, it, would I attack my argument as you're giving them credit for last year? Last right. year's over. Each one's independent. Right. Absolutely, that is a flaw in my argument. But you know what? <laughs> you ha- you have to give them the chance. It is no. I I think they should have the chance. I just think they should have the chance in an expanded playoff. I mean, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, but I I have a hard time saying. I mean, you know, Herb Street called Corso on it. And, and he was right. Corso was, was caught in it because he said, you know, Corso said exactly what we're saying. They should have a chance. And Herb Street said, so do you think they're one of the top four teams? And he didn't answer the question. And they had fun with it, you know. But I don't think they're one of the top four teams. But do I, would I like to see them have a chance to play some of those top four teams in, in, the, in the event of, a, you know, a bracket? Yeah, I would. You know, put them in at number six and let them play Notre Dame. And let's see how they match up. Maybe they're outclassed. Maybe Notre Dame runs over them and is like, ah, oh, well, okay, they, they weren't good enough. But not well, knowing is the problem. I'll, I'll say this. We don't know. I, I have two points. One, my first point on this is 
we have seen teams in the top four get rolled by other teams in the top four. So even if you put UCF at number four and they get blown out by Alabama at whatever bowl game, okay, I I stand by my statement. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State got in, what, two or three years ago and and just was terrible. Ohio Mm -hmm. State, two years ago here at the Fiesta Bowl, got shut out. You know, So, yeah, you're Mm -hmm. you're right. I mean, what you do in that game does not mean you weren't deserving of a spot in that game. And my second point, which I can say unequivocally, is I would put them in the top four right now. Yeah. And I I don't uh, – look, uh, because if you ask me do I think that they would beat those teams – I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. But yeah. you know, I didn't think Kentucky was going to start the year so hot. I, I, you know, uh, I mean, that's true. That's true. You, you know, know I, and, and, and no one knows. I mean, one game. That's the beauty of football, too. Is that you know, if they played a seven-game series, you know, if you did it over the course of several weeks, uh, yeah, I think everybody would probably agree that Michigan would beat Central Florida. You know, four times out of seven, maybe four times out of five. But in one game, could they beat him? Yeah, they probably could. Well, and, um, and here's the other thing. If you take the names of the schools off, a school goes undefeated. They finish yeah. the year number six in the country. Then they come back and they go undefeated. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you you yeah, go I to play in the playoff. That's just how it has to be. And, and, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, no, I mean, if you I want this to have – look, this is a, this is a Travis Shamakery. And if you wanted to have the semblance of reasonableness, UCF has to be allowed to play. And I know I'm getting hot takey sports, you know, radio. Guys. I got you. No, no, no. Hey, I, but, I respect but your. I, but I think this is. I I think this thing last year was bad, and the fact that the exact same thing is happening. It's gonna they, happen again if they if, go undefeated. If they yeah. win out, yeah. there will not be four other unbeatens. They no, will have. No, they will have for the second at, year in a row. At most, there's going to be four. Yeah, yeah, they will have for the second year in a row beaten everyone in front of them in the regular season, won their conference title game. Yeah, and if they get shut yeah, out for the second year in a row, I, you know, I'm going to lose it, and I will buy. Yeah. I, I here's what I'm going to say: <laughs> if they go unbeaten and they win their bowl and they're not yeah. in. They will sell a UCF back-to-back national championship. I will tell you right now, I will buy that T-shirt. I will own that UCF (laughs) back-to-back national champions T-shirt, and I will engage in the debate with whoever will have it. (laughs) Well, uh, if they don't get in the playoff, and I don't expect them to, the presumption appears to be that they come to the Fiesta Bowl because last year they went to the Peach, and and they're not going to the Rose or Sugar because those are contracted to major conferences. So... Uh, I mean, I would love to see them here. I think it'd be fun. Uh, my my idea would be UCF versus Florida here. I think that that would be a, a juicy subplot of you know, big mighty Florida against little UCF, and you know, let's let's see it. Now, like I said, UCF beats Florida. It's going to be well. This isn't really that good of a Florida team. Okay, you know. Yeah, and they and Florida's disappointed about being here, so they're not right. even trying. Right. So why would I it? mean that's that's what happened about the Auburn game, and and to an extent, there's probably some truth to it. Yeah. Auburn was, you know, one win away from playing in the playoff, and they get beat in the SEC title game, and they probably didn't really care that much about the Peach Bowl, honestly, you know, and UCF did. But it's a great way for people to minimize their achievement by saying, ah, Auburn didn't really care. If Auburn cared, they would have beaten them. Well, we don't know that. I mean, you know, we don't know that. All we know is that they did play, and UCF beat them fairly convincingly. Yeah. I, look, I— I'm not a UCF person. I, I'm just saying that to me, 
it seems ridiculous that they do this two years in a row. Yeah. And both times we say, you know, it's a shame. It's a shame you didn't schedule better. Right. And we know you, we know you beat ranked teams. We know you looked good. Here's your consolation prize of a, a big bowl game, but not the biggest, you know, not the games that really matter this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice little pat on the head. And I, I mean, I think that's what this was designed for. Um, you know, when, when we had the BCS, they weren't automatically granted that. You know, Boise made it a couple times. TCU made it that one year. But they had to be ranked a certain place. And, you know, in this playoff, was like, oh, guess what? Good news. We're going to give you small conference teams. We're going to give all of you a chance. We're always going to take one of you. It doesn't matter. And the first couple of years, it worked out because, you know, Boise had a loss. And they went to the Fiesta Bowl. Hooray. Um, you know, Houston had a loss. They went to the Peach Bowl. Yeah, it was nice. You know, uh, Western Michigan, they went undefeated, but no one really thought Western Michigan was a legit, you know, championship contender because the MAC was not at the, you know, not at the same level as the AAC. But now these last two years, this is the fly in the ointment that I don't think they, the powers that be really wanted. They, well, they wanted the, you know, the nice little, oh yeah, you went 12 and one. Good job. Here's your Fiesta Bowl bid. Now move on. Shut up. This to me is like you know I hear you on the Western Michigan and I and I hear the argument but but to me this season is the prove it season in horse when you get the e and you have to still sink the shot to to make it so that the guy is officially out that's right. what this season was this was the prove it season for UCF and they're two wins away from saying you left us out and you shouldn't and you better no, take agree. us this time I agree I agree but I just I mean I agree with you but I don't think it has any chance of happening because I think their only hope is they need everyone to lose six things need to happen. They need, you know, they need Alabama and Clemson to both win and go undefeated and take those spots. They need Georgia to get blown out by Alabama, maybe even lose to Georgia tech this week. They need Notre Dame to lose. To they USC. need, they, they need, need Michigan to beat need, Ohio state and then lose, and then to, lose Northwest. to Northwestern. Yeah. They need Utah to win the pac 12. They need, uh, three lost Texas to win the Big 12. I mean, they need so many of these things to happen. Not just one or two, but probably, I mean, I just listed probably six or seven. They need probably five of them to happen. And I don't think that's all going to happen. I mean, you know, we have some crazy upsets sometimes this time of year, but not that many. If a two-loss team gets taken ahead of them, will you join me in saying they should be in? Yeah, I probably would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think if you... If you had the scenario of, you know, let's say, and I don't know who it would be. I mean, I guess probably LSU, yeah. more realistically than anybody, you know, because they're not going to the SEC title game. So if they beat A&M, they finish 10-2, all these other things happen, um, then, yeah, I would absolutely say that the two-loss team should not go ahead of them, um, especially an LSU team that I believe is just a, a mirage in so many ways. I mean, they, they, they built their reputation this year on oh we beat Miami and we beat Auburn well you and I saw Auburn in person they're not that good and Miami is is you know barely over 500 so this whole like oh LSU is really good not really they beat Georgia give them credit for that they beat up Georgia at home they haven't really beaten anybody else of consequence in the world of not that good and barely above 500 we now turn to the territorial (laughs) cup (laughs) where once again and, and I'd love to do the numbers, and I probably could do it very easily if I looked. How many times in the last 
let's say 15 years since we started school, do we go into this game with both teams either at or one game above or below 500? This is the quintessential ASU <laughs> U of A matchup. It really is. One yep, team. Six and five, five and six. Yeah. One team needs the win for a bowl. The other team basically just playing to keep them from getting a bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, last year was what? Both, I think what? ASU was six and five. Was Arizona seven and four? Mm-hmm. I think they they both finished seven and five. So yeah, because we that, one that was of, how we jumped them in the rankings. In the right, conference rankings. right. I mean, they both kind of fell in, you know, fell out of the scope. But yeah, I mean, how many years? It seems like you know both teams are right at around five hundred. Like I said, one game above or below, and here we go again with a with another one like that. So the Wildcats come in needing a win to advance to bowl eligibility. It's an afternoon kick on Saturday. Yep. First, before we get into the specifics, how do you feel about the game being Saturday, not Friday? It's a change that's been made the last couple years. Last few years, yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't mind it. Um, I mean, it gives you, if if there was something really on the line, and, you know, obviously we were close to having something on the line, but it didn't didn't quite come to pass. Um, You know, it gives you a regular week which I, I think is probably the idea behind it. You know, a regular week of preparation. Um, you know, you can have your regular practice schedule, essentially, although Thanksgiving always probably changes that a little bit. You know, Thursday, you're not having probably your same same exact practice. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't mind it. I mean, the Friday game, you know, Friday after Thanksgiving always has the feel of a Saturday anyway. So it kind of feels similar. Um it was something that was tradition, I guess, and but you know, so many traditions have gone out the window. At least we still play Arizona to finish the year every year. So many of the other, you yeah, know, conference had, teams didn't don't we have do one that. that we didn't. There was one year we where did. We, we did. Um, what was it? Two thousand eleven, I believe. We played Cal yeah. at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. But most, for the most part, we haven't. Um, and, you know, and I mean, so many times now with with you know Stanford, Cal. Now, they ended up playing this year because of the rescheduling. They're playing at the end of the year, but they weren't scheduled to. USC and UCLA, obviously. I mean, UCLA is playing Cal this week. Um, USC is playing Notre Dame. You know, it used to be you could do that when there was no conference title game. Now you can't. Mm-hmm. So, I don't mind it. What do you think? I I don't mind it. I, I liked when it was on Fridays, just because, yeah. you know, like you said, it feels like the weekend. It was a good way to right. start things. But, you know, I guess I guess I don't care. My my knee-jerk reaction is I, I liked it how it was, so I don't know yeah. why we had to change yeah. it. But I hear you on the fact that maybe the change was good, because what if someday we are playing for something important <laughs> again? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Which we have had some. I mean, I was, Each of I these was teams today, played for the title. You know, played, did, played you know, in the pack uh, title. To, what four years ago the the winner was was going to go uh, as it turned out we didn't know that going into the game because UCLA if they had won whoever they were playing that day I think if, if they had won they were going they ended up getting blown out from what I recall um, and that happened right before and so the the winner of that game went 2013 you know we needed to win to host we knew we were going to the title game but we needed to win to host the game and we blew them out I remember one of the one of the best all-around performances that we had, you know, in Todd Graham's years for sure. Um, So, you know, it has meant something this year. Unfortunately, not so much. 
So going into the game, uh, the the presumptive Heisman Trophy favorite this year, Khalil Tate. Right, uh, right. Yeah, I mean, how do we even have a chance? That's a great. That's a great point that should be forgotten. I don't know that we have any chance. I mean, we're playing the Heisman Trophy winner. He, here's the thing. I don't think he's going to win. No, I don't. I, I mean, <laughs> SI told me he was going to win, and they're usually right. Uh, you know, so I. I think he's gonna. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's gonna. I know that Tua and Kyler Murray and Minshew's had these great years, but I'm pretty sure Khalil Tate's winning the Heisman. All right, so we're gonna get into the super fanny part of this now. So just be prepared because <laughs> this is no longer gonna be an unbiased and neutral observation. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. I, I mean, he's gonna win the Heisman, right? That's what I was told. Look, everybody said he would right. win the Heisman, right. and. So. Yeah, you know, uh, he even I he mean, even spotted those guys a game. He sat out right, the UCLA game. Right, right. I mean, I just I don't even know how we have a prayer in this game. I mean, when you're playing when you're playing the Heisman Trophy winner, it's hard to even think you got a shot. But I guess we'll we'll go down there and see what we can do. Here, here's the flip side of that. Last year in 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 this game, it was yeah. the game kind of that catapulted him into the the thought that he'd be the Heisman Trophy winner this year. Because when he was on the field, he was killing us. He was. He was. Um, now, you know, that was a weird game last year. You know, because it's a, it was a tale of two halves in so many ways. Um, we just looked like we were going through the motions. And, I mean, I remember in that second quarter texting you and saying, Graham's done. Like this, you know, it just like, because that was the big question. Could he survive? And we were playing lifeless and, I, you know, he was he was having a good game, but I remember even thinking like I wasn't even that impressed by them. I just thought we were playing crappy, and and we we hung in, and then he gets injured, and then in the second half we played some of the most inspired football we had all year. Maybe right. save for the Washington game and the Utah game. You know, twenty-one so, nothing third quarter. Yeah, the game. yeah. I mean, just tremendously flipped the game, and and you know, offense executed so well. I remember, you know, Tamario Richard had such a good second half, and. Um, and, you know, and it was like, you know, and then it just changes everybody's perception. Oh, Todd Graham did a great job. How could you fire him? Like, in 30 minutes of football ago, most of the people in the stadium were ready to, you know, help him pack. Demario Richard last year, 22 carries, 165 yards, two touchdowns. Eno Benjamin, performance. over or under 165 yards. Um... That's a big number, but but he's Eno Benjamin. I'm saying over. I'm saying over. I think we're gonna we're gonna you know emphasize it like we've done most of the season. And I mean, Arizona's defense isn't that good. Uh, you know they 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 really only had one good game, and that was against Oregon. They they pounded Oregon. Um, you know they beat Colorado in a shootout, but Colorado ain't that good. Like, I mean they just fired their coach, so obviously they're not that good. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I think over. Well, if he goes over, he'll he will have rushed for sixteen hundred yards this year, which would be the record, right? Yeah, because he is a hundred and sixty-six yeah. yards. I'm sorry, a hundred and fifty-six yards away from sixteen hundred. Wow. Okay. So I think if if the opportunity is there, they will try to get him that rushing record. I think so too. Um, and. Look, they don't use other running backs. They just no, they don't. don't. You know, it's it's his show. Yeah, I mean, it has been. 
pretty much from, you know, conference season on, uh, you know, and really probably even San Diego State was, was when it became clear he was going to get 95% of the carries, uh, at least from the running backs. Wilkins is our second leading rusher, I think. Uh, yeah, and I don't think it's particularly close. Let no, me. I don't think so either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're today. Now, I'll, I'll say this. Let's let's take a moment. You know, it's Manny's last game. Basically, he's going to play the bowl game. But you know, a pretty good run. And and we'll put it in perspective. Maybe after the season, look back. Maybe maybe look at our quarterback rankings and see where we want to fit him. Um, it's not the greatest by any means, but three years uh, only missed two games due to injury. That's pretty impressive, you know, especially given the way he had to play and he got beat up those last two years, especially. Um, you know, hopefully it'll end well for him. Uh, but, you know, good good run for him. I mean, he was, a, he was a solid quarterback for three years. and We might, might, I hope not, but we might realize that we miss him more when he's gone than appreciated him while he was here. It's funny you bring this up. I was listening to the Sun Devil Source podcast. And they okay. were talking about, we don't appreciate Manny. He didn't have talent around him. The coordinators yeah. changed all the time. And I entertained that somewhat. Yeah. But to suggest he didn't have talent around him. He had talent around him. It, yeah, I, it I, is I would, wrong. I would, <laughs> I would disagree. I mean, you know, he didn't have Alabama-level talent, obviously. But No, but, but he, no, had, I mean, he had, a, he had an, a, a running back who caught on in the NFL. Right. Another running back who actually was the starter. Who was better, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he had Nikhil Harry. And maybe his last year, the, the best running game of all with, with Eno Benjamin. I mean, productivity-wise, it is. Um, yeah, and he had Nikhil Harry for all three years as a starter who's, who's you know, maybe going to be a first-round pick in the draft. So, no, I agree. I mean, he had some talent around him. Circumstances weren't easy. You know, he played for, what, four different offensive coordinators, um, two different head coaches, obviously, He was injured a lot of his first year as the starter. And again, you know, we should probably save the retrospective for after because let's be honest, he's played a lot of games, but how this game goes and how the bowl game goes to a lesser extent will will affect how we remember it. Because if he goes and he has a really good game on Saturday and we win and we go to a bowl game and we win, it's like, wow, he finished on a really strong note. If he goes down there and throws three picks and we get beat and then we go to a bowl game and lose and we finish six and seven, it's like, eh, okay, not so much. So there's only two games left in his career, but the perception can still swing one way or the other. Manny's only trip to Tucson, 2016, we lost and lost badly. He played played okay. Uh, I mean, the offense wasn't bad, but the defense, it it was definitely the low point of Todd Graham's tenure. We gave up 511 rushing yards. That they, didn't, they didn't throw a pass in the second half, if I recall. Yeah. Manny yeah. also that game had 23 carries. I don't recall yeah. that, but apparently you he know, did. You what know, I, what I recall more than anything in that game was our just absolute inability to defend the run at all. Um, I remember we scored a lot of points. I can't even remember what the final score was. 56-35. 35, okay. Um, we got off to a poor start, and then we we started moving the ball and getting in it, but we couldn't do anything. We, you know, I think a couple times we got within seven, and then we'd give up a giant touchdown. I mean, it was like, you know, every time we, we had any little, you know, spark of hope, it was extinguished by a defense that didn't seem to care and was just there to, you know, 
finish out the season and go home, apparently. The defense gave up runs of 56, 63, and 71 yards and a 64-yard pass completion in that game. God. Yeah, it was, it was horrendous. I mean, it really it was the type of game that usually costs a coach's job, given and that it, it was the end kind of the losing streak. It did. It took 12 months to happen, but it did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think, you know, many would have expected it to happen, you know, 24 hours later, and instead it took 12 months, but it happened eventually. In his career against Arizona, Manny's got six touchdowns against two interceptions. Uh, he's been fine. He, yeah. He's had Manny Wilkins-type games, you know? He has. His, his... He has. And, and, you know, now he has a chance. I mean, not that your record against Arizona is the be-all, end-all, but... Again, how we remember him? Does he go two and one against him or one and two? It's going to have an, an impact. Well, and um, he can have a Ryan Terrain game if you, yes, he could. you know, a James yeah. Brooks game. If if you are special, you yep. will be remembered. You can get remembered, and especially on the road. You know that always kind of, you know, if you could do it in their place. Ryan Terrain was down there. James Brooks was down there. Um, the you know, Keith you go Pool, down there and play uh, well. The Keith Pool. Right. was down the, there. Yeah, was that? Yeah, I mean, so you know, and, and they probably have the same things. Well, they you got know, sure Chuck, they, they got Chuck Cecil's pick return. Chuck Cecil, yeah, I mean, um, you know, the game that uh, Zendejas made the kick there. What was it, two thousand nine? Um, you know, in, at Sun Devil Stadium. I mean, you know, um, Bryson Bernie in twenty eleven coming off the bench and uh, you know leading them to two scores there. I mean, I'm sure they remember the same stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you if you go down there and do it, it always means a little bit more do it in their place and and so if he has a really good game and you know again two and one feels a whole lot better than one and two if you're going to be a three-year starter against them and um so we'll see you know nothing he does is gonna say oh my god he's an asu hall of famer i don't think so but how we remember him is going to be affected a lot by this game primarily the bowl game somewhat but this game seven and five and beating arizona feels a lot better than six and six and losing to arizona Prediction time. Okay. Who's going first? Um, I, I'm going to go first. I, 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 okay. ASU wins 41-28. Okay. I'm going to go uh, Arizona State 34, Arizona 31. You've got it much closer. I just – Nail-biter. I, I feel well, like – we played – we played what eleven games, and I think eight of them have been decided by one score or less, yeah. something like that. So I'm staying in that realm. I, I just feel like we're going to get a lead, and then we're just going to feed Eno the ball. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's a recipe I'd be very happy to follow uh, because it's worked well for us this year. And if we can do it, I'll be a happy man. Well, we will. We'll be watching and texting each other. If you know our phone numbers and you're listening, good. Well, look, if you're listening, you probably know our phone numbers. Uh, feel free to text us or tweet at us with your thoughts about how we're dumb, what you hate about UCF, how Bobby Hurley's the man, both as a as a player and now as a coach. Um, or really anything. Just let us know you're there. Uh, until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.